Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. So I want to just share a quick testimony before going into my message today. Uh, this is from our Hispanic church, Tere and Jaime, which is Teresa and James. So Pastor Francisco and Leticia, a few years ago, they met, uh, they met Teresa in Morgantown. They were down there like getting gas and went to a Goodwill and actually just met this Hispanic woman named Teresa. Well, they ended up keeping in touch with her, visited her uh, in her home a few times and ministered to her. And then if you remember, this is maybe a year and a half ago now, they started uh, church services, a Bible study down in Morgantown and in Uniontown. So Teresa began to come uh, to the Bible study in Morgantown, and eventually she gave her life to Jesus. So that's like one huge thing, right? There's another, uh, another soul saved into the kingdom. So Teresa started coming uh, with her five children, but there was, there was no dad in this study. Um, so then they, she started actually coming to services up here in the, in, right across the street at 11, at 11 o'clock in, um, in the Hispanic service. So she was bringing her five children, but there was no dad there. Well, Pastor Francisco started asking, you know, uh, where's your husband and so on. She just let them know that uh, she, she um, is dating a man. She has been for 20 years, and three of her five children were to this man. This man was far from God, didn't want anything to it. Well, Pastor Francisco, if you know him, he would have said, that, that is not right. You know, you need to, you need to be married. So... Uh, so he just begins to minister and just shows her God's will for the family and the unit and how there needs to be health and restoration and so on. So she starts talking to James and talking to James and talking to James. Well, eventually James comes to the service here. I'm not sure if he, if he ever went to the Bible study. So after weeks and weeks and weeks of preaching and coming and wondering about God, James gives his life to Jesus also. So now he has the Holy Spirit in him. He knows, you know, he knows the, the, the path that God has for him. Uh, so Pastor Francisco, they're still ministering and so on. And now uh, they were living apart and now they're living together. Um, and, oh, I'm sorry, they're not living together yet. I'm jumping ahead of the story. You know it's coming now. Um, so he gets born again. They're teaching them just the ways of God and so on. So in a few weeks, uh, the Hispanic church is gonna go to a local body of water and be baptized. And James, of course, is going to be water baptized now, which is amazing. Um, so after water baptism, in just a few short weeks, right after one of the Hispanic services, Teresa and James are going to tie the knot formally. They're going to enter into marriage and begin to just live their life uh, with the blessing of the Lord on them. But it's not over yet. Uh, three weeks ago, Teresa came to Pastor Francisco and let, them, let him know that she had to stop working because there was a tumor uh, in, inside her head. I'm not sure if it was on her brain or right, right within her skull, but it was actually causing enough pain and dizziness that she had to stop working. So Pastor Francisco just encouraged her. He said, listen, you're living according to God. Let's just you know, believe for healing. So they surrounded her just three weeks ago and prayed for that tumor uh, to be completely healed. So they didn't hear anything back. So two weeks ago, Teresa walks in, bright countenance on her face, and she runs right up to him and says, I went to the doctors. He checked me out. No surgery needed. No tumor. Completely healed. Ha! That's awesome. That right there is the power of the gospel. To restore a family, to allow for salvation on both, uh, both in the couple. <laughs> and then, hey, why not heal her of a tumor also? That's good stuff. So two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Jim talked about uh, hearing the voice of the Spirit, how we should be able to discern between the voice of the Holy Spirit 
and the voice of our own flesh and then the voice of the enemy, how important it is to be able to hear the voice of the Lord throughout life. Last week, I talked about being led by the Spirit. We spoke about three different ways that the Holy Spirit leads us with his voice and how the will of the Lord is not discovered by just looking you know, 30 years down the road or by creating your own plans. That the will of the Lord for your life is found and discovered by simply being led by him each and every day. I do believe he speaks to the things that are yet to come. I believe he gives us dreams in our heart that might take 10, 20, 30 years to come about. But each and every day, his will is discovered simply by being led to him. We talked about how our bodies do a really good job at leading us, right? When we're hungry or you know, if we're tired, we're, we're led by our body. That's not the way we're designed. We can also be led by our soul, whatever emotions we're feeling. That oftentimes leads us to act a certain way, but we're actually supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit who's leading our spirit. So the more conscious we become of what our spirit is telling us through the Holy Spirit and how he's leading us, that is how we will begin to make wise, small decisions in life, which then train us to make wise, big decisions in life. Thinking about hearing and listening and so on, can any of you else admit that you can be distracted quite easily? Oh, whoa, okay. I have to admit that too. So when we're thinking about this, I can hear someone's voice uh, call my name, okay? I can hear them say, Pastor Kurt, I, I need to meet with you. And I can be led by their voice to actually go and meet them somewhere for a meeting. And I can interact with them and obey their voice to enter into a conversation. But if it's like a really long meeting, most times than not, I'm gonna check out for a short commercial break. It's just the way my brain works. I'm going down the path with you and I'll check out and then I'll be right, I'll be right back after this short break. Now, the problem is, is if I would check out and not come back ever, that's a problem. We need to come back. And I think sometimes we get frustrated when we're trying to hear the voice of the Lord and spending time in prayer. We think like if we check out for a little bit, if we get distracted, that we're like disobeying God or we're not mature enough. No, no, no. Just check back in. Okay, now the problem is, is if we say we hear the voice of God and we obeyed him, but we're hanging out with him day after day after day, but we've checked out and we never check back in, the caution is and the, the, the concern is that we might think we're actually close to the Holy Spirit where we might just be close in our behavior but not actually in our lifestyle. So there's a difference between just hearing the voice of the Lord and being led by him and then actually living by the Spirit. Your translation that we're gonna read out of in Galatians 5, if you even wanna turn there in just a few minutes, it says one of two phrases, live by the Spirit or walk by the Spirit. So listen, you can hear the Spirit's voice and you can be led by him a little bit and obey him a few times, but walking by the Spirit and living by the Spirit is the lifestyle that we're all after. It's a day-by-day -day leading of the Holy Spirit until it becomes second nature to us. And that's what I wanna talk about this morning. Now, I'm gonna just camp out in John chapter 15. Those verses will be on the screen if you wanna get yourself to Galatians chapter five. But smack dab in the middle of John 14 and 16, we've mentioned these verses over and over throughout this series on the Holy Spirit. Jesus is talking in John chapter 15 about abiding in him, remaining in him, how he is the source of our life. Now, the only issue is, is just you know, a few chapters later after John's over and Acts comes, what happens to Jesus? He leaves. So he's saying, abide in me, stay in me, stay close to me, stay attached to me, right? And then he leaves. So how is that possible? It's only possible to remain in Christ 
by remaining in the Holy Spirit, by abiding in the Holy Spirit, by living by the Holy Spirit and walking by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says in John 15, verse 14, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. So there's a qualifier that is evidence that you are friends with Jesus and it's doing what he's already taught us to do in his kingdom. Jesus isn't saying, listen, follow a bunch of laws and a bunch of rules. No, he's saying the fruit of your obedience comes out of our friendship. So if you actually read the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, the Old Testament and the New Testament, being led by the Spirit is not following a list of external laws written on a stone. Life is found by actually obeying what Jesus taught. How do we know what Jesus taught? It's in his word, but it's also in us through the Holy Spirit. So to live a holy life, to live a pure life, we're living by the Spirit. So Jesus is saying, hey, you're my friends. You qualify as my friends if you're listening to what I've already taught. Why and how can you do that? Because you have the Spirit in you. In verse 15, he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. You know what most of us say in the flesh? Stay out of my business, right? Have you ever said that to somebody? They like enter into a, meet, uh, into a conversation of you. They keep bugging you like, will you please stay out of my business? Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit and his business is teaching us the business of Jesus. There are tons of Christians who struggle with this. I need to know the will of God for my life. I need to know what the next step is in my life. I need to know where to go. And we think God's somehow hiding that from us. But we are reminded the spirit of the living God lives inside of us. And because of that, he wants to show us his business. He wants us to know what he's about and how he's leading us and how he's teaching us. So he says here in the next sentence, he says, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit. It says fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. Now, in just 10 more verses, Jesus is talking about how the Holy Spirit is going to come and testify uh, about Jesus. So the command here is this, out of a friendship, out of Jesus showing you what he wants us to do and how he wants us to live, he's saying to go and bear fruit. Now, when he's talking about that in the context, he's talking about bearing fruit in other people's lives, salvation, encouragement, healing, deliverance, all of those things. But I do believe that we have to live it before we can give it. Like we have to have a grasp of it in our own life. So there should be fruit bearing in our life, right? Fruit that will last, fruit that will remain, some of your translations say. So it is actually the will of God for there to be lasting fruit that is developed in your life that then you're not putting on a church program for somebody who needs Jesus. We're taking who we are already, the areas of maturity that we have in our life, and we're pouring that out into other people. I believe that is only found in living by the Spirit. And that's found in Galatians chapter five. I'm gonna read a whole section of scripture and then we're just gonna pick a few of the verses apart after that. Starting at verse 13. So this is in Galatians chapter five. Paul is writing to a, a group of believers, a church, uh, many house churches that then met together in the city of Galatia. And he's talking earlier in this chapter about freedom from slavery, not physical slavery, slavery of the law 
bound us to sin and death. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. That's why that word that was given today is pertinent to us. We were called to be free. He says, but, not, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Now, that's horrible to think that the devil, if he could just get us, if he could just get us to mess with one another, a little bit of gossip, a little bit of division, he can step back and we will destroy each other. How careful we need to be to stay in unity and peace and love as a body of Christ. Verse 16 says, so I say, walk by the Spirit. Some of your translations might say, live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. I'm going to keep reading. 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to see, when we look at a list like that, our eyes are often attracted to things like idolatry, witchcraft, like the, the bad sins. I want us to sit in humility and understanding that same list is jealousy, selfishness, fits of rage, which would be losing your temper. Those things are all clumped into one. They're acts of the flesh. They're useless in our walk to, with the Lord. In fact, they're harmful in our walk with the Lord. Verse 22, he gives the opposite side of things. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, uh, I'm used to saying patience, Uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He says, against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, This is the assumption, right? Since we, as Christians, as the body of Christ, are living by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I mean, it's just a physical illustration of walking hand in hand with the Lord. So back in verse 13, it says, you were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. We were called to be free. It is absolutely the Lord's will for you to be set free from the weight that the law created in the Old Testament. So I want you to follow this out. In the Old Testament, the law was created to reveal our sins. It was how to live a perfect life. And how many of you can succeed in that? Yeah, absolutely none of us. So that law reveals the sin that puts a weight on us and now we're bound by that sin because we can't get out of it in our own power. And because of that, we're bound by death, a spiritual death. And what Paul's saying is, listen, you're called to be free. The Lord actually wants us to be free from all of those things, free from the guilt and the condemnation of trying to do it on your own by following a list of rules, free from any sin that keeps you chained up. Or as Donna said, it has you fenced in in this small area today. That word flesh here, where it talks about do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. That flesh means your human nature. 
We have uh, New Living Translation Bibles in the pews, but they, I don't like the translation that they, that they put there because they talk about your sinful nature. Scripture is quite clear. Your sinful nature dies at the cross. So you are living in a sinful nature. You surrender your life to Jesus. That's what water baptism is, right? You don't go down into the water and come back up with a sinful nature. So your sinful nature dies when you give your life to Jesus. However, your flesh, it's your human nature. It's the selfish desires. It's self-centeredness. It's the things that want you to do things for your own benefit, not the benefit of others. Those are acts of the flesh. Those acts of the flesh look really close to your old sinful nature. And that's why he's saying, stay away from those, flee from those things. Instead, be led by the Spirit. Have the fruit of the Spirit. So when he's saying you're called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the acts of the flesh. You're set free to actually live out the destiny that God has for you. You're not set free to do whatever you want, however you want. There's a big difference. Well, I'm free to do it. The Bible says I'm free. I can do whatever I want. Absolutely not. God has got to not pay the price with Jesus's blood so you can go out and destroy your life in sin. That's not the way this works. It is a freedom from sin unto Christ so that when you realize the value that he's placed on your life, you won't want to walk out those acts of flesh anymore. Is this making sense? So in verse 14, he says the entire law. He's, he's fighting against this because even earlier on in the scripture, they were forcing them to do things that, that were in the Jewish law that, that Jesus never required to come to salvation. So he says, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command, love your neighbor as yourself. See, I've talked about this before. Before salvation, the law determined your righteousness. The law bases everything on your external behavior. It's all these lists, hundreds and hundreds of regulations and rules that you had to follow. When Jesus, or God designed these things to simply reveal that you need a savior. In James, it talks about whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles on just one is guilty of breaking them all. So what we're doing is the law brings us to an end in ourself. And we say, listen, we can't do this on our own. We absolutely need Jesus. So what happens here, actually the Bible says too that the, that the law brings death, but the spirit brings life. You might say, well, why would God produce something that would bring death? Listen, again, it's bringing you to a point of realizing you are dead spiritually without a savior. So every time you look at those laws, you say, I can't do this, I need a savior. So that's why the spirit brings life. In the new covenant, the spirit living in you is breathing and, and encouraging you toward the way of life. That's why we can produce the fruit of the spirit according to him when we walk by him. So then what's the law? The law is fulfilled in one command, love, the love your neighbor as yourself. We talked about this, I think, a little bit last week. We actually have to figure out how to love ourselves or we won't be able to love other people. So living by the spirit, like picture that, picture how many times we demean ourselves, we criticize ourselves, we put ourselves down, looking in the mirror each morning. Maybe you do that as you're doing your hair, putting your makeup on ladies, whatever. Think about how many times we criticize ourselves and though the spirit of God is living within us. God, you, I, we admit that we are your masterpiece and we were created by you in our mother's womb. But man, I sure am ugly. I sure am fat. I sure am stupid. Think about those things. 
So what happens is, is this, if we're not understanding the value that God's placed on our life, that, that then we project on everybody else. You're mad at yourself, you're gonna be mad at somebody else. You're frustrated with something in your life, you're gonna, you're gonna demonstrate that frustration to other people. So he's saying, listen, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's why it's so vital to walk by the Spirit and live by the Spirit so we can receive what God has for us and then give it to other people. Verse 16 says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Down lower it says that the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. The Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with one another. So listen, the picture here is, is that there is a war between the spirit and the flesh, right? So the Holy Spirit, he wants you to grow into the image of God. The flesh wants you to grow more into the image of your sinful nature, which is now dead. Your flesh wants things that are only gonna benefit you in selfish ways. And that's hard to admit sometimes. The Holy Spirit wants you to have an abundant life and he also wants you to have a fruitful life. The fact of the matter is this, whatever you put your focus on most is what you will become most like. If we put our focus on the spirit, that's what he's saying, walk by the spirit and you won't gratify the desires of your flesh. Isabella, if you can scoot out of the pew, I'm gonna use you for an example. So Isabella's 14 years old. She'll be driving in two years. Woo, going going to high school. I'm jumping ahead here. Okay, so as Teresa and I teach Isabella to drive, you would be on that side, yes. As we teach her to drive, there's a, there's a way to, to actually teach her a technique. So as we're driving, no, see, she felt her first test. Put your seatbelt on. Okay, there we go. So as we're driving, I could teach her what Paul's saying to live by the Spirit, or, and you're not gonna gratify the acts of the, of the sinful, or not sinful nature, but acts of the flesh. I can have her focus on the good, or I can have her focus on the bad. If we're driving and I'm saying, What's out for the barricade? What's out for the barricade? Don't hit that pole. Don't hit that pole. Don't hit that pole. What's she going to do? She's going to stare at the pole, stare at the pole, and boom, we're going to hit the pole, right? She'd be a nervous wreck too. But if I said, keep your eyes on the middle of the lane, use the yellow line as a guardrail, and use the white line as a guardrail, but keep your eyes on this lane. Before we ever leave, we talk about the hazards in the road, right? We're going to talk about if an animal runs across or if a person does or if a car. We talk about all the hazards first, but then when you're on the road, you keep your eyes in the middle of that road. See, some people try, thank you, Isabella. Give Isabella a round of applause. Some people live their life like that, and they're saying, I'm going to wake up, and I'm not going to swear today. I'm not going to do anything bad today. I'm not going to lose my temper today. And all they're doing is, don't hit the pole, don't hit the pole, don't hit the pole. Where is their focus? Their focus is on acts of the flesh. So then what do they end up empowering? The acts of the flesh. It's what's on their mind when they wake up. Oh, I really hope I don't do this again today. And you're, you're basically renewing your mind in the wrong area because you're so focused on acts of the flesh. Instead of waking up and saying, I am thankful that the Holy Spirit lives in me and God, I'm going to follow that spirit. I'm gonna walk by that spirit. I'm gonna live by that spirit and let him guide you down those paths. So the Holy Spirit, he's in the process of taking you somewhere good and leading you somewhere good. He's not just avoiding the bad. So we say, well, I have to get rid of my sin. You know how to get rid of your sin? Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. And he says, and you will not gratify the acts or the desires of the flesh. 
I do actually think once we begin to embrace who he is and what he wants to do in our life, it becomes so much more satisfying that the things of this world grow strangely dim, right? It's just not, it's not important anymore. It's not fulfilling anymore. You take the drink, you take the puff, you take the look, and it's actually disgusting to you because you know what God has for you over here. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify. I don't, I don't think Paul wants us to be in the life of sin management. We're not supposed to be managing our sin. We're supposed to be following the Holy Spirit. He's gonna take you where we need to be. So that's my encouragement. Is you wake up, you become aware of his presence in your life, focused on him and where he's gonna lead you for the day. And you know what happens is this. I mean, this is, this is this simple. When we think about things that bind us, think about sins, habits. Maybe some of you have been struggling with something for 30 or 40 years. And I don't mean to oversimplify this, but if we actually, and I know I don't do this, I'm far from it, but if we actually stayed attuned and sensitive to the Holy Spirit every single moment, not that we can't have conversations, not that we can't have friendships and have fun and go to Kennywood and ride rides and scream, all that stuff. But if you were actually walking with the Holy Spirit, imagining like Isabel and I walking down the road together and something, an image pops up on your, on your screen, automatically, this is not of you. This is not for you. And you turn it off. You spout off at the mouth at the boss, immediately there'll be a check in your spirit because you're aware that you're started down the wrong path and the Holy Spirit's taking you down a different path. And the apology, the repentance, the forgiveness, you start to operate in jealousy or envy towards someone else. The Holy Spirit is gonna remind you if you're listening to him, if you're walking with him, that that is not God's best for your life. And repentance can come so much more quickly. I use this phrase, but it would apply to anything. I, I remind people this. The Holy Spirit will never lead you into a bar unless it's to minister to somebody. I'm not trying to put a, a sin right on that location. Listen, the Holy Spirit will never lead you to an immoral situation. The Holy Spirit will never lead you into a, a, a bad business deal. The Holy Spirit will never lead you into an abusive relationship. So if you're staying in tune with the Holy Spirit. He's not going to lead you somewhere that is dark unless it is to minister to those who are in the dark, right? So how many of you admit this is a dark world? <clears throat> so we need to figure out how to navigate a dark world. I tried to make uh, stick figures out of balloon art. It didn't work. So these are my people. <laughs> this is you before Jesus, Right? There's nothing in here, it's just empty and you're serious, okay? This is you once you found Jesus. There's a, a light in here, you can't see it, but you will in just a little bit. Without Jesus, in this dark world, you can go ahead and hit the lights at this time. Without Jesus, in the dark world, you have nothing guiding you, nothing leading you, uh, nothing taking you off. You can hit the, the screen as well. But with Jesus, now you have this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, Okay? <laughs> If you notice, this light that's placed in you is not designed to light up 10 miles down the road. The Bible says that the word of God is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. That means it's right in front of you. We get so worried. Well, what are they gonna say if I stop hanging out with them over here? Well, what's gonna happen if I do this and that? No, no, no. Listen, the light is going to show you where to go in your next step. 
So what happens is without that light inside of you, when it's dark, you have no clue where to go. You have no clue what to do, decisions you make. And I think sometimes we pray these Hail Mary prayers way up to God, thinking he's so far away instead of realizing he's in me. The light is in me. So when I'm trying to figure out how to walk by the Spirit and be led by the Spirit, I realize this light is already in me. So now I can whisper to God and get a whisper from him. It is so important that we understand and know the voice of this light or in a dark world, we're gonna get confused because scripture says that the devil, it masquerades as an angel of light. So the devil is a counterfeit. Can I have my counterfeit lights, please? So we have counterfeit lights that pop up. Donnie, you can hold it real high. There you go. You can keep those lights down. These are my counterfeit lights. That's okay. I prompt you on that, Randy. So we have these counterfeit lights that pop up. If I'm not familiar with the light that's within me, wow, that, red, that looks shiny. I'm gonna come over here. Oh, no, wait, then this one here. And you end up engaging in all of these counterfeits and you're externally focused on what? Another website, another drink, another relationship you shouldn't be in, another fit of rage, and you're fulfilling these acts of the flesh and they actually feel good then because we forgot about the light that is already within us. But if we learn how to walk with this light and we learn how to attune our ear, you might say, well, listen, I'm engaged in these things. I don't hear anything from the Holy Spirit. That's because you've become numb to it. You've simply turned him off, but he's still there and he's still leading you and he's still guiding you. Just ask him to resensitize. I don't even know if that's a word, your ears. You can turn the lights back on. It, it, it's actually a lot more practical than you think to live by the Spirit. We're just asking the Lord, man, keep my spirit sensitive. Keep my mind sensitive. He wants you set free. So it says here, <clears throat> the acts of the flesh in verse 19, sexual morality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy. Again, I'm using examples. I hate to even use examples because you think I'm judging one sin more than another. Jealousy just hides a lot better than fits of rage. Pornography just hides a lot better than drug addiction. They're all less than God's standard for you. So I use examples that can like relate to people, but there's a lot of hidden stuff. He just wants you free. I'm not saying anything for guilt, condemnation. We're called free. We're called to be set free from all of these things, from all of these things. So these acts of the flesh are now countered with the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. It says this, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there's no law. No external law written on a stone can come against the fruit of the Spirit. There is a major difference between acts of the flesh that come from our own human nature and fruit of the Spirit that come from the Holy Spirit. See, when we rely on our own behavior and our own nature and our own desires, acts of the flesh come in. When we begin to rely on the Holy Spirit and following him, then his fruit is going to be developed in our life. I've seen this and I've done it myself. There are so many Christians that try to gain by performance what the Holy Spirit wants us to gain as a gift to him, from him. Like it's just a byproduct of relationship. So we're saying this, I'm trying really hard to be more patient. Then just stop trying. 
Stop trying to do it because eventually you're going to fail and you're going to get really mad. You'll still beep the horn. I tried all morning, but that, you know, you'll still get mad. Stop trying so hard and become more in tune with what the Holy Spirit's leading you to do. And he might just say, look away for a minute. Take a deep breath, Kurt. Keep your hand off the horn, right? <laughs> He'll lead you in the smallest things and in the biggest things. How many of you have done that before? You're trying to get through performance and through effort, and you're just trying in your own power, then it ends up becoming an act of the flesh anyway, and not a fruit of the Spirit. So in the natural, fruit is a byproduct of the type of tree that it comes from, right? Apples come from? Pears come from? Oranges come from? Strawberries come from? Don't say strawberry tree, no. But this is the way it was designed. Fruit, the, that type of fruit comes from that type of tree. Jesus designed it the same way with the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit are supposed to come from a tree that is grounded in the Spirit. It should be, the fruit of the Spirit should be a natural byproduct of your relationship with the Holy Spirit or with Jesus. So if an apple tree doesn't produce pears, we recognize a tree by its fruit, Okay. So in Luke chapter six, it says this, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings the good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, you might be reading these verses and you might be thinking, man, well, some of these things listed in here I, I participate in, so I must be a bad tree. No, I actually think you're, you're just receiving a lie from the enemy. If you're born again, then you have been born again with an unperishable seed. It's the word of God. It's Christ. So as soon as you receive Jesus as your savior, your life might still be a mess. I'm not talking about, again, managing your sins so you get to go to church. no. Be who you are, but you have to believe the truth that you are a good tree. And if you realize you're a good tree, guess what? When the bad fruit starts to appear, you're like, that has no business being on a branch in my tree. And you cut it off. You start to avoid either certain people or certain places because you're walking by the Spirit. If you know Jesus as your Savior today, say this. Say, I am a good tree. People would like pop in right now. We would sound really weird. What kind of church is that? Say, I have a good root system. And we could say it all day, but it takes an actual faith in that. If you see things that are, is, that are producing bad fruit in your life, you have to just, you, you have to refocus, recalibrate and say, I have faith that I am a good tree because of what Christ did in me. There's no way the Holy Spirit would choose to live in you if you were a bad tree with a bad root system. I think we just believe the lie. We just get caught up with those, with those counterfeit lights in our life. So why not today just recalibrate? Just look at it and say, you know what, God? I could actually list this and this and this that are, that's bad fruit. It doesn't belong on my tree. So what do you do? You bring it to the Lord. Say, I'm, I'm asking you to take it because I'm about to start following the Spirit like I never have before. And I'm not gonna gratify these acts of the flesh any longer. 
It's interesting because it lists all, all these different types of fruits, right? But that word fruit of the spirit is actually singular. So I know there's, there's curriculum, there's great curriculum on how, and you could study out each one and the definition of each one. I don't want you to go to the Lord. Just, just give it a season of time where you're going to the Lord and you're not asking for more patience or just more love or more kindness or more you know, uh, uh, long suffering. Don't ask him for individual things. It's a singular word, fruit, that contains everything. So pic- picture this. The Lord wants to hand you a big basket of fruit and you can't just pick one out of it. You get the whole thing. Like, that's pretty good, right? You're not just gonna get an apple or a pear or an orange or a strawberry or whatever, whatever, whatever. You get the whole thing. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And we get that only by walking by the Spirit. To finish up this, this uh, section of verses here, it says in Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their flesh with its passions and desires. So if that, it's on, the, it's, it's on the, uh, the, the uh, screen there. You should be able to read it like this. I belong to Christ Jesus. So I have crucified my flesh with its passions and desires on the cross. And then it says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So spiritually speaking, Your old sinful nature was crucified on the cross with Christ. So when you give your life to Jesus, you're giving up your old sinful nature. You're giving up your right to have to fulfill those acts of the flesh. So you might say, well, I I still am fulfilling it. I can look at that list and know some of those things fit with some of these things. It's okay. You're just believing that lie. You've come into agreement with a lie with the enemy somewhere along the lines that actually makes that fruit look acceptable in your life. But the word says they've been crucified. And I like what it says here too, because sometimes there's a passion right, or a desire to do something that's against the will of the Lord for your life, those things were crucified as well. I'll read the verse again. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Your old self is dead. If you see fruit that is not looking as if God would want it in your life, then you have to realize you've just been hanging out at the gravesite of your old nature way too long. And the Holy Spirit is not gonna have you hang out at the gravesite of your old, dead, stinky, sinful nature. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you to life and the abundant life and the fruit of the Spirit so that you no longer fulfill the acts of the flesh. I want you to stand at this time I was thinking even during worship, like I felt like the Lord was saying like, why, why not today? Why not today? Because as soon as we go out, as soon as we go out from church, we're gonna eat lunch and we're gonna move on with our day. Hopefully we'll come back for 707 Pursuit. But like your day just continues then, right? Life just continues until the next time you spend with the Lord. So I feel like he's just saying, why not today? Why not, if you notice there's fruit in your life that's not from God, why not bring that to the altar? Why not confess it with your mouth and just leave it here? Ask him, God, I don't know how this thing missed the cross. 
I have no clue how this addiction, this bad habit, this sin in my life, I have no clue how it missed the cross, but I need this thing to be crucified. Like why not today just let it be set free? So what we're gonna do is just spend a few moments as Adam plays, whether you're at your seat or whether you wanna come forward to the altar. I really, I want you just, I want you just to listen to the Holy Spirit. He's gonna show you whatever is in your life that's an act of the flesh. I want you to confess it, think through it, bring it down here, whatever you need to do to just give it to him so it's crucified once and for all. Why not leave here today set free? God, as a church family, we just come together and uh, we declare that we have been set free for the sake of freedom. You want us to be free, not just from the acts of the flesh, but from its desires and its passions. And when those lights pop up, you want us to be so in tune with the light that's within us, that we live by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit. Father, it's something so supernatural and then something so practical that you've given us to be able to walk this out. Father, I pray again that we would become so sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life that that moment by moment we would see when we're walking in your path for us, when we're walking in the destiny that you have for us, when we're walking toward the promises that you've laid out in our life, and at the same time that we would see when we, when we trip up, when we mess up, when we miss the mark, God, that there'd be less and less times of missing the mark and more and more times of following the path that you have for us, keeping our eyes on the center of the road and not worried about all the distractions on the side. God, we pray that even right now, by your Holy Spirit, you are setting 
people free from things that have kept them in chains and in bondage for years and years. And God, I pray that you would confirm that you're doing something by giving them that abundant life, giving them the fulfilled life, giving them a belly laugh. Maybe it's the first time in years they've ever laughed joyfully. It's the first time in years they've maybe talked to somebody they've avoided out of anger, jealousy, envy, whatever it is, God. We pray that there's fruit because you've called us to have fruit and fruit that would last, fruit that would remain. So we pray that there's fruit out of this moment in prayer, that there's fruit out of walking uh, with you every step of the way, that we'd be a church family that exudes the fruit of the Spirit, that people would say, why are you different? What's different in your life because of how we walk and how we live? God, we just pray for your blessing and your favor upon us as we leave here today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Be blessed as you go. You can stay if you want to just to sit in the presence of the Lord. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.